Hi everyone, this is Klaatu. You may or may not know me from Hacker Public Radio, and it turns out we're throwing a party on New Year's Eve, and everyone's invited. Whether you've listened to Hacker Public Radio or not, whether you've contributed or not, you should stop in on the Mumble server, mumble.openspeak.cc, port 64747. You can use any username you want. Drop in, say hi, eavesdrop, whatever you want to do. It'll be a lot of fun, and it's going for 24 hours. That's right, UTC minus 12, a whole UTC day. We'll be broadcasting all day, all night, and we want you to join us. Welcome to the Scatatron. Ooh-wee, what's that on the floor? Ooh-wee gooey aliens, needles, and paws. Quantum physics, black holes, and quasars. Science fiction writers make the twinkles in the stars. Who's that? Swinging back and forth. Mr. Dark Matters on her, of course. Kick back, relax with a snack. Author interviews, reviews on track. Welcome to the Scanadrome. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, back is the Incredible Bear Brown, and this is the first episode of Scanadrome, where you'll be able to check out uh, literature, authors, new authors that are out there, reviews on webisodes, and all kind of things that are just sci-fi. Or if you want to come on the show and talk about aliens or anything like that, you have a weird, odd story, I would love to hear it. So in any case, our first episode of Scanadrome, I have a wonderful surprise for you. We're going to meet an author author sci-fi author and it's coming up right now i'm very excited about the person that i am going to introduce to you if you are into literature if you're into writing especially sci-fi writing i have the person that you are going to love uh, to meet and we're going to talk about some of the stories that she has created uh, some of her history a little bit about her the things that she likes to do and you guys are going to love it now you can check out HPR that's Hacker Public Radio as well as the new radio.net uh, will also be on um Mixlar and a lot of other different places that you're going to be able to get this interview and other interviews in the future I hope if uh, she agrees to come back one day <laughs> So, without further ado, I would like to introduce you all to the lovely Lola Laracy. Hey, Byer. How you doing? How are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Oh, I'm thank- thankful that you even came on. You know, I was sitting there and I was thinking, and I said, man, I really would love to interview you. Uh, uh, way back in the day, I used to do this one show called uh, The Facelift, and it was mm-hmm. kind of based off of Facebook. And I would take people from my Facebook list and interview them just to find out more about them. And then okay. I was thinking about that. I was like, wow, this would be a great person to do that type of a show with. But what I really want to know is uh, a little bit about what you are into right now. You love to write. And uh, but well, before that, let's talk about exactly where you came from. Uh, Savannah, Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, I was born and raised in Savannah, Georgia. Um, my parent, my my father's from there, and my grandparents. And I I lived in the I called it the Walmartville section. It was it was, <laughs> it was the suburbs. I mean, when people say, "Oh, you're from Savannah," it must have been lovely all the time. I'm like, yes, I walked on a bed of daffodils. Oh wow. Yeah. No, I, I, I grew up in the suburban part. I mean, you know, I could walk to the movie theater and it was a nice suburban neighborhood. And then on weekends, my grandmother would take me down to downtown and I would look at the Waving Girl and River Street and all that. In some cases, I was almost as much of a tourist as some other people because I only went there like like downtown Savannah on weekends. But it, it was it's a very beautiful place. I miss it. I left when I was 17 years old because I had to make my way in the world and I had to do great and wonderful things 
So I moved to Alabama. <laughs> I, I don't I don't really know where that came from. I don't really understand that. But I lived there for 10 years and I went to college. I got a degree in English literature. You know, people always told me, well, you need a backup plan. You know, you don't need to major in, if you're going to major in English, you need to have something else to do. And I always said, no, 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 it'll be fine. I, I, everything will work out. Well, I'm a customer service representative now. I realized I have to make my own way in this world. Nothing's going to come to me. Uh, that's why I'm really pushing my writing right now. Um, I'm trying to self-publish. Um, I'm podcasting my stories. I'm working on a novel. So this is part of, of me really trying to introduce myself to the world. What I have known about you up to this point, I uh, have been very pleased and happy that I even met you. Uh, now, you know, you had a situation where you, you, you came from Savannah and that does sound like a, just a beautiful place. Just the name of it, Savannah, you know, it is beautiful. it's magical. It truly is magical. People don't understand it, but even when you're there, when you're standing on the streets, you feel all the history. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. That's down there. That's a province of, uh, George, well, Savannah, yeah. Georgia, yeah. Yeah, um, it's right on the corner. It's actually only two hours from where I am now. I live in Jacksonville, Florida now, and and it's so sad. It's only two hours away, but I've only been once in the last 15 years. That's 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 a port uh, place, isn't it? Isn't there it ports is. down there? Yeah, a Savannah River runs right by it. It's on um, the intercoastal waterway that actually goes all the way from the south up north um, that runs through there, the same intercoastal waterway that runs through Jacksonville. Now your journey, you, you went off and you, you were, you were, as you say, the rebel against the family going off to some other place who she thinks she is just running off someplace. <laughs> My parents weren't happy, but I fussed so much. They finally let me go. You went off to school. You, you know, you were taking up English and literature and whatnot. Now, you know, you say that to right now you're doing customer service work. What happened during that that area from where you left school to where you're at right at this moment? After school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, obviously I wanted to write, but it's so hard to break into it. And I just never really got my footing. And so I just took odd jobs here and there. And then after I graduated college, my mother, she, she has various health problems. She's actually from Florida. So I decided to move to Florida like a good daughter and, and help her. And that was 1998. And then I continued to be a good daughter. <laughs> and, and then I worked at, you know, my uncle's insurance agency. And then I got another job at an insurance agency. And then I didn't want to do insurance anymore. And then I went into the tech field. So that's where I am now. And I actually, okay. I, I sigh when I say I'm a customer service representative, but I shouldn't knock it too much because it's helped me a lot. I do website troubleshooting for the Navy. The reason I got the job in the first place is because I've been doing my own blog since 2005. I've been podcasting since 2006. So even though I have absolutely no professional technology experience, I have no education in technology, I got this job and it's actually helped me. I've learned some other like troubleshooting things that I never knew about websites, you know, certain things like put this in your trusted site, look at this advanced setting tab, things like that, that I didn't know before. And it's actually helped me a lot. So even though sometimes I roll my eyes when I talk about it, I can't knock it because it's gotten me where I am right now. Very true. Now the thing, and and I, I totally know where you're coming from with that and, and, you know, dealing with, uh, customer service. I've done a lot of customer service in, in my time. I do some now. Uh, mm -hmm. and we, we were joking around earlier about glitches and <laughs> hiccups yeah. and glitches. But mm -hmm. what I'm interested about, since you're into this tech field now, what is the genre of writing that you like to do? I'll let you introduce it. I write science fiction, which is awesome. I love science fiction. <laughs> I've been, I, I was born for science fiction. I mean, I remember reading Isaac Asimov when I was a little girl and Madeline Leongo because I was a little girl. Um, I just, I absolutely love science fiction. I wouldn't call it hard sci-fi. It's really, it's soft sci-fi. Yeah. It's not fantasy. For instance, the novel I'm working on is about an alien spaceship captain <laughs> who lands on Earth and decides she's tired of being a spaceship captain. So she's going to try being a detective. All right. So, 
it's almost like it's almost like a mystery science fiction hybrid, but it's more comedy than anything else. So I guess you could call it sci-fi comedy. That's what I like. Sci-fi comedy. No, that's that's mm-hmm. that is good. Now, do you think that you're messing around with the internet and everything? Does that feed that science fictionist thing in you? I would say so. I mean, um, for instance, the the short story that I have up on my website that you did the promo for, End of Life Projections. It's it's technology. I mean, that's really what it's about. It's about what would happen if we learned how to capture a person's soul just for a few hours after they die. And it's pure technology. I mean, it's not supposed to be supernatural. It's just all technology. Which is awesome. And I love, love that story. The end of life projections. And now let's enjoy a snippet of end of life projections by Lola Laracy. Swain finally finished setting up the camera. He was the only one in the conference room. The angle was perfect for capturing the audience around the table and the speaker in front. All the VP told him that morning was, make sure the camera caught everyone. He'd only be able to get an occasional facial shot of the audience members, but he would have the speaker the whole time. The company never asked him to film a meeting before. It seemed strange, and even stranger was the number of meetings they were holding. Five in one day, 20 people each? The whole company was going to pass through that day, and the company wanted him to film each meeting. He never heard of a small company hiring its own full-time videographer, but there he was. He had been at the company a month, and so far he had just made training and safety videos, lift with your knees, don't leave objects on the floor, etc. The first group began to filter in. Some employees dragged their feet, some drinking cups of coffee. Some were so perky you would think they were vibing for a promotion, not going to a staff meeting. He didn't start filming until everyone was settled. The vice president came in and walked toward the head of the table. The coffee sippers, brown nosers, and the hangovers all ceased their activity once he took his place. Ladies and gentlemen, I want the next hour to seem like any other hour in this company. I don't want any exclamations, no screams, and no indication of surprise at all. I don't want you to let the word out about this to the rest of the company. They will come here today, same as you. The room was noticeably uncomfortably quiet. The camera made a faint humming. To Swain, it sounded as loud as a window AC unit. The closed door of the conference room rattled. The vice president anxiously looked towards the source and hurried to the door so he could open it before it entered. Swain felt the executive's dread as he reached toward the knob. He trained his lenses on the open door, but as he did, he heard the exhaling breath from the people behind him. He didn't hear words. But he could hear the hands tightening on the armchairs. He snuck a look back to saw the eyes wide opening, his sense of impending panic. He turned the camera briefly towards the reacting audience, but switched back in time to catch the gray figure as it rushed through the door. This was a reading of End of Life Projections by Lola Laracy, performed by Byer Brown. Now let's get back to Scanadrome and the rest of the interview. I have to tell you, I literally, when I'm at my regular everyday job and I'm doing customer service. There's, there's different times where I'm talking to customers and we, thankfully we are allowed to kind of be a little personable on my job. That's good. And I actually ask, I say, Hey, do you like writing? And they're Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, I said, you're you're in the books and whatnot. Now I have told at least, at least 75 people about your, about your blog and about end of life projection, which is that, really cool. And people like on the phone have literally gone and said, Oh, I found her right here. And I'm like, look up Lola Laracy, end of life projections. You cannot go wrong. You'll love that story. And I, I plan on still doing that and telling people more people about your, uh, your stories. End of life projections is one of my favorite stories you've done. That uh, makes me very happy. Thank you. Oh, I really, that, that's the one that, that hooked me. And you even put on there, uh, my best story in my opinion. Now, I don't know if it's your best story because I think there's a lot more wonderful things coming from you, but it is definitely one of those stories that I really just connected with. I felt connected to, uh, Swain, which is the, the main character in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could, as I was reading it, I could vividly start to see the, you know, the, the 
interaction between the boss and the mm-hmm. and what was about to happen in the story. I don't want to give it away. I don't not want to give it away. I want you to go to uh, Lola's website and I want you to check out end of life projections because it is, that's, that's hot. I love that story. Thank you very much. No, no, no. Thank you. Now you also have, now we're going to be talking about some other stories of yours as well, but you also do writing. I mean, you don't just do, well, you don't just do writing, but you, you do other writings as far as like uh, articles and whatnot for different blogs and websites out there as well. That's true. One of the ways um, that I've been writing for the last 10 years, this is the first time that I've really tried to push my fiction writing, but I've been writing nonfiction articles for at least the last 10 years. Like I said, I've been blogging since 2005 and I write for various venues. Um, I've been writing for Southern Beer Review for the last few months. I've been watching their podcast since 2010. They, they, they almost saved me because I was going through a really tough time in 2010 and I was feeling very alone and I found their podcast. And I would sit there and I would just watch it and, and I just felt like I knew them. First of all, they're from Georgia. Right, right. Um, hello, I'm from Georgia. And actually, Anna really is from Florida. Um, but she moved to Georgia because that's where James is from. Okay. And so I got the Florida connection. I got the Georgia connection. I got the beer connection. I just felt like I found new friends. And, and they really took to me right away when I started emailing them. And so when they decided they were going to do a blog, well, I said, well, of course I want to write for you. Please let me. And so they've been gracious enough to let me post stories, um, articles. So I've been writing um, articles about places I like that serve really good beer here in Jacksonville, Florida. I've been doing that for the last few months. Awesome. And I remember uh, when I was I was talking to James uh, from Southern Bear Review, uh, which he's a he's a really interesting and fun, fun guy. I was, uh, you know, very honored to meet him and actually have some interaction with him. But I remember him telling me that he was talking about they kind of were like talking about girls and women and, you know, oh, they don't like to drink bear. What are they, silly girls? What are they talking about? And then you just came in. Hold up. Wait a minute. Now, I like bear and I like these bears and you're going to respect my gangster. <laughs> I, I, could, I could possibly drink them under the table. I mean, Friday night. At the end, I, it was just me and Clay standing. I, I think that maybe James was still there, but he was kind of like leaning down. But it was really just me and Clay. <laughs> so I, I think I won the, the beer wars that, that last show I was on. So I can, I can drink a lot of guys under the table. Now, I'm not big with hard alcohol. I'll drink rum um, and I'll drink vodka, but it, it does tend to make me sick. I'm really a beer and wine girl. Awesome. Awesome. I, and I, I do, uh, like to partake of, you know, different brews of my own and I like to do home brew as well. Mm-hmm. And I, that's, I really got a connection with you on that one. So mm-hmm. I got to wonder, you kind of like, you know, they, they were talking about girls not liking beer. You come in, you kick down the door, say, this is the kind of beer I like. And, you know, you really showed them, hey, you know, I, I know my brew, even though I'm a girl, I know my brew. So I got to wonder, you have another story out there uh, about a superheroine. Yes. Okay. And she's kind of, you know, she got a, a little bit of a chip on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. And, but, but she, she's a serious superhero kicking down some doors and she ain't taking no mess. No, she doesn't. Now I gotta wonder, you know, what part of that? I, I feel like there's a little bit of your soul in there somewhere. Like, you know, where you kind of sitting back and said, Oh, if I was a superheroine and I had to deal with this nonsense out here, what would I be like? <laughs> mm-hmm. Was that the kind of the feel that you were getting from that particular story? Tell us about that. I think superheroine in New York. Superheroine of? of New York. And one of the great things about science fiction or any writing is you get to put, you, you get to encase something you're feeling in another exterior. Mm. So even though it's a story about a superheroine who um, kicks ass and stops crime in New York City, I mean, I, I'm not there. I'm not a superheroine. But... In a way, I can feel myself kicking down some doors 
you know, even though it's about someone else other than myself, I can put my own wishes into that. And, it, and it, it's a bit of a catharsis because even though I've never stopped a crime, I, I've stopped someone from being a jackass. I've, <laughs> I've stopped people from hurting other people. Right. So in a sense, I've, I've been in that situation in real life, but that, but the superheroine of New York, that's just heightened. That's like, what if I could do that, but have real super superhero powers and really stop someone from being physically hurt? Yeah. So, you know, I, even as I was uh, taking that story in, I just kind of felt like I said, I, I, I feel like there's there's some parts of Lola all through this. And I guess in writing, just like you said, you're you're able to just intertwine and yes. weave in, you know, different aspects of yourself or, you know, like in your head when you have all those different thoughts and that, you know, that that person in your head, I like to call it uh, mm -hmm. when you're thinking of those ideas and they pop up and it's like, wouldn't it be cool to be this? And then, then you're yeah. off to the races. But you have and, the talent to write it down. And it is a little bit of wish fulfillment. What if I could do this? And we may not always be able to do it, but we can write a story about it. And it makes us feel better knowing that even maybe in this fictional world, it can happen. And is that what draws you to this genre? Is this is that what draws you to science fiction? Even though it's not like super hardcore science fiction, it's still you 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 have a good way of just grasping it. And I think that people are going to like it because it's not science fiction that's over their heads. Mm -mm. It's that kind of science fiction that kind of like it's still attached to real life, but kind of just draws you into this other fantasy world a little bit, but not so fanciful that you're like, ah, that's just totally, it's kind of like, right. You know what? It's kind of like a human experience of science fiction, which I really that's think good. that that's your niche or your, your, that thing that's different about you. So is, is that what draws you into this science fiction genre? I think so. I think it's like, what if our world were a little different? What if we can make our world just a little different? What would it be like? It's like I'm taking our world, everything we know, everything we take for granted, everything we get bored with, but I'm turning it just a little bit to the left and saying, what would it look like if we looked at it just a little bit differently? Just enough to jar us. Not, not enough to completely knock us off our axis, but just enough to make us really question things and look at things. Awesome. Yeah. So I see that. In the stories that you're writing now, while you're writing these stories, are you, do you take time to just go off and daydream a little bit and then come back? Or what do you do to just get your, you know, your, your creative juices going? I have to, I know my boyfriend thinks I'm sleeping, but there are times when if I really want to know what I'm doing with a story, I have to think about it. I just have to sit there and close my eyes and think, okay, what do I want to happen next? What do I want the outcome to be? Because I'm not one of the those people who can just sit there and write and have it just flow, you know, from me. I have to kind of take it in chunks. I'll do the beginning, and then I have to think, well, what am I going to do next? And sometimes I have to work things out in my mind. Like, do I want this character to do this? Um, is this character this kind of person? Sometimes I have to just think about who are these characters. And so there's a lot of prep work, and I usually do that when I first wake up in the morning before I even open my eyes. So that's one thing I'm going to miss when I go to the eight to five schedule, because I, I told you that, you know, I'm changing my schedule at work because now I have time in the morning to just lay there for an hour if I want and think, okay, how is this scene going to work? Is she going to come from this angle? You know, and, and things like that. I have to work things out in my head before I write them down. That's really cool. So in, in being first thing in the morning, do you feel like that? I wonder if that's where you're kind of coming out of your dream state from being mm -hmm. sleep that day and you still have a little bit of that dream magic left. And I wonder if that's where your brain is like in between those two worlds of dreaming and going into the reality. And you kind of find that sweet spot of, OK, this is where Lola's science fiction world exists, you know. <laughs> That's exactly it, because that's my magic time. That's actually where End of Life Projections was born. Wow. That was a dream. I actually had that dream. It was a little bit different in my dream. In my dream, I was talking to the gray person. It was a little darker, actually. In my dream, the person was really unhappy, and he didn't understand why he was dead 
or what he was doing. And it, it was really depressing <laughs> <laughs> because he was so upset and, and he didn't understand what was happening to him. Well, I didn't, I didn't want to write anything quite that depressing. So I kind of thought, all right, how can I do this where it's more wonderment yeah. and, and a peaceful passing and more, you know, um, just, just, just a little more in awe of life versus death. So I kind of tweaked it when I actually wrote it down, but that was a dream. And that time when I'm just coming from sleep to wake, it's the time when my, mo when my mind is most open. Mm. And um, when I've had some wonderful ideas for my dreams. Now, it's also the time where I've had some really silly ideas for my dreams. And, and I wake up thinking, oh, my goodness, this is going to be the greatest story ever. And then I open my eyes and I go, that is the dumbest thing I ever thought of. So it's, it, it can go either way. It can be my, my wonder time or it can be my time to wonder if I'm in the right field. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know what you mean by that. Sometimes when you you have those thoughts, I go through that where you're like, oh, I'm going to change the world. Uh -huh. This is going to be like the best thing since Wonder Bread. Oh, this is going to be great. And then you're, you're sitting there, you're like, yeah, there people are going to think I'm just a downright idiot. That's what <laughs> yeah, I had one story, actually. Um. I woke up and it just seemed like the best idea ever. I was like, oh, this is just wonderful. This is so beautiful and magical. This is something Pixar would do. This is how beautiful it is. And then I realized, I was like, wait, that's like the stupidest story in the world. Because <laughs> basically, for some reason, the idea hinged on someone actually like putting an anchor in the earth and like trying, trying to split the earth in half. Now, th this is actually pretty funny. Because in my dream, it, it looked like a Pixar wonderful magical fest. Okay. But then, but then when I woke up, I was like, someone's trying to put an anchor in the earth and it's going to split it in half. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but I came out with one thing. I came out with the title, One Split Earth. Awesome. And the funny thing is, I, I took that title and I made a different story from it. And that's what I'm recording today. So I hope to have that out on my podcast this weekend. And I am also looking forward to that, the One Split Earth. Okay. Now, so that's where One Split Earth came from, this Twilight yeah. Zone time frame of a, putting an anchor in the middle of the world. Exactly. That, that is that is interesting now. And, and I guess, well, I'm, we're not going to, I'm not going to spill the beans because we're going to okay. let the people listen to the cast and mm -hmm. check out that, that wonderful story as well. In which case I had the opportunity to check out that story. And, uh, I, I enjoyed. <gasps> That's right. I forgot you saw that. I had it on my, my drive. I forgot yeah. about that. What'd you think? I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Wow. The, the characters, um, yeah. without, without giving anything, I, I really liked, uh, I really, I like, I really like grandma. Grandma hit home with me. I um, like grandma. She was, you know, she was sweet and, and she was very grandma-ish. Very <laughs> caring, yeah. but smart. I, I made sure she, she's actually smarter than her grandson. Yeah, yeah. She, she has I, a job I, in the real world, so she kind of guides him. Exactly. I really liked grandma. I really liked, um, the, the main character and the character that he, you know, kind of conversates with, um, okay. these are people that I, I feel like I know in life, like they represent that type of person that, you know, it's like, you know, a guy like that, you know? So I, I think you did a good job at that. I'm glad. Thank you very much. Now, what is the hardest part about writing? Do you get the writer's block, the dreaded writer's block? I get the fear. That's the hardest part, the fear. Um, we were talking about what, you know, what happened between college and now. It was fear. Um, that story, Superhero of New York, I actually wrote that in 2001. Mm. That was the first thing I ever finished. And I, I put it in a shelf or in a hard drive. And um, I didn't think about it because I was terrified. I was like, what if? What if nobody likes it? What if I get rejected? What if they tell me it's stupid? What if they tell me I it's the worst thing I could possibly do? Because this is all I ever 
wanted to do in my whole life. This was what I was meant to do. This is why I was put on this earth. I truly believe that. And to have someone squelch that, it, it would squelch my heart. I wouldn't be able to come back. So I was terrified. So I put it away. But then in 2004, I thought, well, this is silly. I need to submit it somewhere. So I submitted it one place. I submitted it. Um, Sci-fi.com used to have online submissions. You could... Um, you put your work online they would you know it was like a, a magazine online and I submitted my story to that and I was so excited I printed it out I made sure that the formatting was right although I found out later some of the formatting was wrong but I, I tried really hard you know I made it look as professional as I could and and if you've ever tried to submit anything to um, a magazine or a publisher you'll know that's really tough because there are very stringent guidelines you have to go by so I went through all the guidelines printed out mailed it in you know you have to use like a, a, a one of those large envelopes for it because it's it's a 90 page story right, and so right it was a big deal and so I was so excited and so terrified this was 2004 well I got back the package with a letter from the publisher. It was handwritten, so so I can say that I have a handwritten letter from Ellen Datlaw. Nice. And and it says, um, you know, we're not gonna publish your story. Don't double space between paragraphs. Oh. Uh, so now I know don't double, double space, space between paragraphs. <laughs> and, and I know that that is deep in my heart, deep in my brain, that will never leave me. So, but I, I was so naive. I didn't understand back then that you're going to get rejected. Yes. You're, it's true. It really is true. I understand that now. You're going to get rejected. There are people who they're not going to like what you do. Mm -hmm. They're not going to read it. They're going to decide because you haven't been published before. They don't want to have anything to do with you. Right. So that's going to happen. You cannot let that deter you. But I didn't know that back then. I was so young, even though... Physically, I wasn't particularly young. Emotionally, I was young, and I didn't understand that. So I got so upset, and I was so mortified that I put that story in a drawer, and I didn't look at it. Oh. And that's why I didn't do anything for so long. In 2007, I brought it back out, and I updated it a little bit because um, the heroine originally had a, a CD player instead of an MP3 oh, player. <laughs> So I had to update that a little bit. So now she has an MP3 player. Um, but I didn't try to submit it again because I was still scared and still upset. So, But I started doing more research. And finally, in 2010, you know, I read enough where I realized, okay, I'm going to get rejected. I have to harden my heart. Yes. I have to put some armor around me and just do this thing. And that's when I started writing my novel that I've been working on. Ah, and um, it's it's been taking me a while for the novel. It's yeah. almost done. I would say it's about three-fourths done. I'm working on the final scenes. But in the meantime, I also read that it's better if you have some short story credits under your belt before you try to submit a novel. So that's when I started really seriously concentrating on my short stories. And that's when I started trying to publish my short stories. Now, when it comes to the short stories, do you find yourself is it difficult for you to stop writing? Do you find yourself wanting to keep going with the short story? Cause I know when I was, when I sat there and I was enjoying end of life projections, I know that I was kind of sitting there like, well, I want to, I want to know somebody else to be projected. <laughs> Talk to somebody else. So I was wondering, do you ever find yourself? Is it, do you find yourself wanting to go back and revisit any of the short stories? Well, with a thing like end of life projections, I mean, it is it is a little bit fantastical in that we don't have anything like that. Right. I mean, tech technologically, that's not over the horizon. So I think it's better for something like that to be a little snippet because it really is just like a it's a glimpse into a an alternate life into an alternate future. Sort of like a twilight um, zone type. It's very twilight zone. And if you examine it too much, it breaks down. I mean, we don't have anything like that. It's not coming. I mean, we're talking about the soul here. No one can quantify the soul. No one knows what makes the soul. 
So it, it is almost like a fantasy, almost it's fantastical science fiction. So with something like that, I think it's better to keep it small and keep it short and keep it sweet. Um, but that doesn't mean there can't be other stories. If, if it really does take off, if people do like it, I could make other stories like it. Um, it's just really one of those things where you just want to wait and see what happens. I think what you really achieved, though, and, and just like you just said, uh, it's best for it to be like a little snippet and yeah. and, you're, and I think you're right now that I'm kind of like sitting here talking with you about it. And I, and I understand where you're coming from with it because it did, it did its job in the sense of, you know, uh, the story begins mm-hmm. and it, it, it hooked me. Okay. It was like, okay, I want to read more. It wasn't mm-hmm. one of those kind of things where it was like, okay, all right. It hooked me. It was like swaying. Exactly. So I got hooked and then it kind of drew me in a little bit more and mm-hmm. I wanted to go do something else. But then I was like, well, well, wait a minute. I want to know what's happening here. It drew me in a little bit more. And then it started getting the juices running. And as the story went on and towards the end, it did what every great story really does. It leaves you wanting more. Yeah. And I sat there was like, Okay, I really need to go find something else that she wrote because <laughs> I want I want to read some more stuff, and that was perfect because mm-hmm. a lot of people, uh, a lot of authors do do not achieve that always. Mm-hmm. And I guess even even as a, as you become a seasoned writer, there will be times where you won't always achieve that. But just like you said, you 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 put your armor on. Um, and you realize that there are going to be some rejections. They're going to, there's going to be some downtime. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just really great, uh, advice for, you know, other authors, young kids that are coming up and mm-hmm. to hear your story and to say, wow, you know, Lola was scared and yeah. she didn't really, she threw her story into the, into the drawer, shut it, walked yeah. away from it. Yeah. And I bet you there's a lot of young authors out there that have gone through exactly that. And uh, this should be good for them. Because it's terrifying. I mean, this is something that's part of me. This is who I am. I mean, long after everything's done, you know, people may say many things, but the best thing you can say about me is she followed her heart. She's a writer. She did what she wanted to do. That's part of the reason why... I'm podcasting my stories and putting them on my website because I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I could walk out and be hit by a bus. I no, don't know. No, no, no. Hopefully not. No. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't wait for big publishing to come and say, you're kind of cool. Let's take a chance on you. I can't wait for that. Um, I, I'm, I want people to know who I am right now. I want to be known for what I'm supposed to do right now. So I'm, I'm making it happen myself. Whether I'm financially successful, I'll, I don't know. That's not the concern right now. The concern right, the concern right now is that people know who I am. People get a chance to read my book, my, my work, my short stories, and eventually my book. Um, and, and that I get my name out there. That's the concern right now. And, and you're going to be, you're going to be successful at that. Uh, you, it, you know, you just keep, you know, pushing it along. You're going to be absolutely, you know, successful in achieving your goal. I like the Thanks. fact that you did not say, you know, Oh, I'm going to be, I'm looking if, if, if I'm rich, then I consider myself to be, you know, it wasn't about that. And that's why you can tell that you have a real passion for what you do. And that is where true authors, in my humble opinion, is, uh, are born from. Because if mm-hmm. it's all about the money, then you're not, no, you're not a real author. It means nothing. Then, then you're a hack. Yeah. That's what, before there were hackers, there were hacks. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A hack is someone who just, slices and dices her way through something to make it whatever they want it to be. That's a hack. People who do it for money, they're hacks. Because at this point, if you want to guarantee financial success, you have to follow a template. You you have to be a certain type of author. You have to write a certain type of, of boiler plate novel. That's the only way you can guarantee any sort of financial success. Right. Well, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to write my stories and to do what I want to do. That's why I'm podcasting my stories. That's why I'm putting them online. 
so that people can see who I really am. And that is that is very good. Like I said, you're coming from the heart. You're coming from the soul. You're not worried about the finances. You're worried about perfecting your craft. And that there is priceless. Now, I got to ask you, what are or who are some of the people who inspire you? Who are some of your favorite authors that are out there? And do you have any other uh, books that you recommend uh, from maybe one of your, you know, other authors that you like? The person who inspires me the most right now is Scott Sigler. If you want to see a true success story for a self-published author, go to Scott Sigler's website, read about him. He was a pioneer in this field. He was podcasting novels before most people knew what podcasting was. And I was very lucky because when I was at Dragon Con in Atlanta this last time, um, I went to a, a panel where he was in a podcast with some other authors. It wasn't a podcast. I think it was just a um, panel with some other self-published podcasting authors. And I stood up and asked a question about music because um, I've had music podcasts before, but I didn't know if I could use the same music for my writing podcast. And and they gave me some ideas for some places to go for, um, for um, royalty-free music. But after it was over, he came up to me and he started talking to me. And he, you know, he, he helped affirm my faith that, you know, I, I can do this. This is something that is completely available to me if I put the work in, the time, and, you know, if I really go for it. And he is the true success story. I mean, he is the juggernaut when it comes to this. We can't all hope to be as successful as he is. I mean, not everyone will be as successful as he is. But if you're looking for someone to inspire you, he is the person because he's done it. He went from podcasting his novels. Okay, not only is he still podcasting his novels, but a publishing company came to him. Crown Royal came uh, Crown Royal. Crown <laughs> Publishing. Okay, I, I've years. <laughs> Crown, Crown Publishing came to him in years. <laughs> Crown Publishing came to him and said, "We want to publish your books." So not only is he now um, published professionally through a big publishing house, but he's retained control of his works. Mm. So he's still podcasting. He's got the best of both worlds. Yes. Now I'm not going to pretend that will happen to me. I don't know. I, I can't judge that. You know, that's something that I'll have to look at if it ever comes to pass. But he he is truly, truly the beacon for this. Um, and so right now I'm just looking at him. There's some other success stories in self-publishing, Philippa Valentine and some others that, that you know, that I go to. Um, and, and they're really wonderful. Now, as far as old school writers that I'm fans of, you know, there's Douglas Adams, right. Madeline Leongo, uh-huh. um, Ursula K. Le Guin, all, all the usual suspects when it comes to science fiction writing. I, I love them all. What do you foresee your future to be after the, the novel is done? You know, you got that going. Are, are you going to go right after another novel or are you going to try to maybe take that novel that you're making right now and just, you know, go out and work on its publicity or do you always just continue to write or do you have downtime where you're just like, I'm not going to write right now. I have no downtime. Um, with working full time, I've, I've been writing in the mornings and the evenings and then on weekends. I have absolutely no downtime, no downtime whatsoever. I haven't decided what's going to happen next. Um, I'm waiting until I finish the novel. I, one thing that I know for sure is it's better not to plan too much until I'm done with what I'm doing right now. Because I'm one of those people, I'll get caught up in the future. Mm. That's why I'm a science fiction writer. Right. I'll get caught up in the future and I'll forget about the present. So I need to concentrate on the novel right now and make sure that it's perfect. Make sure it says everything I want to say. Um, just even the littlest things, like with my novel... Right now, I'm, I'm writing a battle scene, and I've never written a battle scene in my life. 
I'm working on the actual novel right now to make sure that, that it's something that I can be completely proud of, something that I mean for it to be. My original plan was to at least try to get an agent and get professionally published. There are two agencies that I thought would really fit me very well. I used to, the, the novel I'm working on right now, um, I had envisioned, I envisioned it being two parts and I was going to publish the first part and then the second part later. So I had originally submitted the first part to an agent and I never heard back. And that's what got me thinking, I need to make this one complete novel instead of two parts. I need to make it one complete novel. So after that, I really started thinking about it. You know, I was like, this needs to be one work. I have a choice. I can try to hit up the next agent that I think would be a really good fit. And that, the whole publishing process is, I'm sorry, it's a nightmare. Yeah. It, it can take months. Oh, okay, let, let me start over. You may never find an agent. That's the truth. You may never find an agent. Um, if you do, it could take you a year or more. And then the agent has to sell the rights to your book. That could take another year or two or three or never happen. So you're looking at, you know, a year, three years, four years, your book is in limbo. And nothing may never happen. And one of the realities of reading now, of publishing now, is that people don't go to bookstores as much. Right. Here in Jacksonville, there's only two Barnes & Noble left. And someone told me that one is supposed to close. If I'm wrong about that, I'm sorry. Um, and I never went to Books A Million, so, but there's still a few of those left. And there's maybe one independent, two, two or three independent book booksellers now. So people don't go into bookstores that much anymore. So I have to think about it. If I do go the big publisher route and I wait four years for something or nothing to happen, what am I waiting for? Right. Whereas if I want to, I can go to Amazon and for free or minimal cost, I can just put it out there and see what happens and see what happens. And any cost would be if I want to hire someone to make the cover for me, if I need to hire someone to format it for me. And you know, I've, I've already, I, I've been in technology for enough time where I hope I can format it myself. We'll see. I don't know. Well, you never know, but I, I think that's a good idea to go on Amazon. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and try it out anyway and like you said all that time the four years and it could yeah. it could not happen and nothing people may out happen. there may love to read your story now mm-hmm. and see it's the difference between do i try it immediately now and see what happens or do i wait four years for someone to maybe take a gamble on it and not only that but even if it gets published through a big publishing house maybe they only make a run of 400 copies and then they don't make a second run and then what? It's it's in the bargain bin for $3. Right. Whereas if I do it myself, I retain the rights forever. I can it's it's out there, it's on Amazon forever. The more I think about it, the more I lean towards doing it myself. I really do. And also if I do it myself, there's no one who tells me that the main character needs to shag up with someone. Cuz in my novel, all right. The not the character the books are actually named after Trudy Lim. She she is a horn dog. <laughs> she is, but she's also kind of ugly and kind of <laughs> belches a lot. She's 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 um, I, I I would say she is uncouth. You don't want to see her having sex, <laughs> so I keep it off camera, so to speak. Right, right, but. But the real focus of the stories, the secondary character is Aurora. And to me, she, she's the light of the story. She's not innocent, but she is not to be sullied. And so I don't want someone telling me she needs to shag up with somebody. Right. So if, if I keep complete ownership of my stories, no one will tell me anything. Now that might mean that people won't read it and that I won't make any money, but I'm no worse off than I am now. That's true. And and the thing is, is that, um, you know, of course, although 
you know, those kind of situations come up in different stories here and there. I kind of like the idea that it's not, um, <laughs> a shag fest. <laughs> I kind of like that idea because I'll tell you honestly, there's times where I'm reading a story or watching a show or whatever and I'm into it and it's going along. And then it's like, oh, it's shag time. And it's like, oh, man. They have you know. to put naked people in there and they have to have awkward, you know, conversation that, that doesn't seem real. Exactly. It's like, this is not the time for it. No, keep going. I was uh, liking what was happening before. Keep going. But they feel like they have to break it up with, you know, sexy stuff because they think that the desperate housewives crowd, the, the CW crowd, they want to see that. Well, I mean, not knocking CW because I love Supernatural. Right, right. But, I mean, you know, that's not who I am. I'm not saying I won't ever have that, but there is a time and a place, and I would it, like to be exactly. the one to say that. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. That's that's the whole thing. It's like, it's not that shag time. It's not It's not that it's, yeah. uh, that it's you know, unfavorable or whatever. But It's, it's not it's, unwelcome. No, it's not unwelcome. Not at all. I mean, that's a natural thing that happens. And, and, and that's, and it's a good thing, but it's just that yeah. when I'm watching or reading and it just kind of pops up out of nowhere, un, not even fitting in there. And it's like, you had this thing going on that was so cool. And then uh-huh. you stop it with that. And that upsets me because I'm like, Oh, Man. It just seems, it's almost like a, a commercial for sex. Yeah, it's like, boom, and it's like, okay, I get it. It's like, it. okay, everyone's getting shaggy, and then yeah. we can go back to our story. Can you we know? get back to the story now? It's like, yeah, I, I understand. I know the mechanics. Let's go. Let's get, yeah. <laughs> you know, let's exactly. get to the story. But I'm a adult. I know what happens. I don't need to see it right here. Exactly. And and that's, that's you know, I, I commend you on that. Um to keep keeping the story going and interesting. And I noticed that, you know, cause I am a, a bit, well, I'm nowhere near on your level, but I do a, a small bit of writing, <laughs> okay. but um, I noticed that what I kind of like to do is write a little bit, write a little bit in a, in a way where it kind of hints a little bit, but <clears throat> not exactly. It's kind of like, oh, you're, you know, you describe a person maybe in a certain way and it seems like, oh, wait, he's going that. No, no, no. He's not going that way at all. You know, <laughs> you, you want to do that. You, you want to, that, that's one of the wonderful things about it. You, um, you, you, you want to like subvert expectations. That's the exact phrase for it. You want to subvert expectations. If someone knows what you're going to do, then it's boring for them. Exactly. You want to take them on a journey, but then kind of take them on a little zigzag route so they don't really know where they're going. Otherwise, why would they go? Exactly. Exactly. And I love that when that happens. Uh, one of the stories, uh, or shows that I watched was, uh, Spartacus. It was on, on stars. Mm-hmm. And now Spartacus, it is very adult like, but it is. The, the, My mother's not allowed to watch it. <laughs> I told her that flat out. I was like, you can't watch that. You can't watch this. this and as much bit. as I love Game of Thrones, she can't watch that either. Yeah, that one is interesting to say the least. I love it. But yes, definitely. It's, it's, it is awesome. But I mm-hmm. lo- what I loved about it was is the, the twist and turns where I thought they were going to do this. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, this guy over here gets killed and you're mm-hmm. like, Whoa, you killed this guy here. And, and I, they did a really good job on that as far as Spartacus, you know, twisting and taking you in different areas that you just never knew you were going to go. So yeah. I look for that as well in writing and whatnot. And, you know, I think that you, you are definitely, uh, achieving that in your, in your, in your stories. Cause I have not found anything yet that I've ever, anything of yours that I've read, I've not been like, Oh, oh, nah, nah. so far. I've loved everything that you read. And I, and like I said, I don't just say that. If I find something that stinks, I'm like, yeah, see, really like you, but that part. <laughs> that part wasn't so good. You need to work on that. Exactly. If, uh, if anything, I'm honest. So. <laughs> and that's okay. I want people to be honest because I mean, how, how else am I going to know? I only have true. my own perspective. Very and. True. You know, I understand my perspective is skewed and, and I don't always make the best judgments. So I appreciate someone saying, you know, maybe you should have gone a little different direction with that. That's fine. 
Oh yeah. Constructive criticism definitely is, mm-hmm. is welcome. I, I welcome that in many parts of my life and, you know, and I'm sure you welcome it as well because yeah. we all want to just become better at, at yeah. the craft to do yeah. better, you know? So, I mean, being an English major, one of the reasons why I didn't pursue writing right out of college is because being an English major broke me. Mm. It really broke me for writing. I mean, it was like military training. It broke me down and built me up again, but I was like, I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't. I had to walk away for a little bit. Right. Because it really broke me down because I went into college thinking, I'm a great writer. I know what I'm doing. I have a gift for this. I'm a natural. And then I learned that I don't really know where the commas go. And I need to learn how to start an argument, sustain the argument, in the argument. And, I mean, it, it really, truly broke me down, just like I was in boot camp. Mm. And, you know, I hated it at the time. I was miserable. But I am so grateful. And I'm still paying for it, literally. I mean, I'm still paying for my college degree, and I will be for a long time. Right, right. But it was worth it because they taught me how to break down my writing, truly examine it, and build it back up. Now that's that that is a priceless thing to have to have that yeah. skill. I can understand that you know, you, yeah, you're paying for it, but it's it's paying for itself in a sense of uh, allowing you to be yet a better writer than you already naturally are. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that is um, that's going to be great. So in any case, uh, it looks like we will be coming down to an end. We need to know where we can find you. How do we, you know, enjoy more of your stories? What else are you doing out there? I know that there's a, there's another website you do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome as well. Tell the listening audience about, you know, where to find you, where to find more of your work and, you know, tell them about the other website as well. Well, my main website is lolalaracy.com. L-O-L-A-L-A-R-I-S-B-Y.com. Um, I also do a podcast at cerulealobster.blogspot.com. And it's the word cerulean and the word lobster all put together. Um, I am all over Twitter, all over Facebook. You can find me if you want, if you dare. <laughs> you can find me if you dare. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, we really like to talk to you again and see the different steps that you're going through talk about stories and just that whole thing. If you'll, if you'll allow us to be a part of your world uh, every so often, that would be awesome. I would love that. Cool. Cool. So is there anything else that you would like to say to anybody else that's out there at all? I appreciate being on here. I just want the chance to share my writing with people. And if you like my writing, please pass on my link to whoever you think would like it. Awesome. And I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to do that. Uh, throughout this, uh, throughout this interview and whatnot, um, you got the chance to listen to little snippets of, uh, of Lola's book. Uh, so you can always go back and check out Lola's website, lolalaracy.com and also, you know, listen to more because she's, she's putting together audio for her recent, uh, short story. Which you're doing Middle Earth, right? No, no, uh, one, one split, splitter. One splitter. Now, I'm not pretending to be J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not Middle Earth. I wish I were, but I'm not. I'm right now. I'm one splitter. One splitter. So mm-hmm. you're you're getting that together right now. So a little bit later on, that will be available. Um, oh. Every so often, I like to read your stories into a microphone. So <laughs> I appreciate that. you did such a good job, Buyer. I can't even begin to talk about how good a job you you did. You really got the differences of the characters. You embodied everything about the characters. Oh, that's 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 really cool. Because I I was reading, I said, I hope she doesn't hate me. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. help it though. I was like, I wanted to read this story, and that just goes to show you, it wasn't just oh, that's a nice story. It was like I I was inspired. I said, I want to read this and I want you know I want Swain and the and the guy that sound like this and I want to <laughs> I mean, you did a great job when I read the stories I mean I'm sorry I sound flat because I am I'm not an actor and I sound flat 
you really are differentiating each character. And I mean, if you ever want to read any of my stories, I won't say anything. No, that's that's awesome. And I will read whether it's reading it into a microphone or just, you know, sitting back and enjoying it myself uh, in the comfort of my home. Either way, I am really, really I'm definitely a fan. I'm looking out. And I want to see you succeed. And, you know, I want to be right there with you as you succeed and document all of this. So, and I encourage you out there, the listener, you go and you check out Lola, LolaLaracy.com. You will not be upset. You will do yourself a disservice if you do not take a trip into this wonderful lady's mystical world, that twilight world that she allows us to visit her in. And she just puts it out on the page and we can have all kind of fun, maybe spark a more interest even in yourself, inspire yourself to go out there, be creative, take Lola as an example. Do not give up on your dream. She's not giving up and nor should you. And this is Byer Brown with Lola Laracy, and I'm wishing you all the best. AG2G, and God bless. Scatadrol. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HPR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.